0: what's up Surf Splendor fans David Scales here with you glad to be back into the full swing of things with Surf Splendor um, after about a month long hiatus so um, welcome back to the show and I've got surf news for you today with Scott Bass so um, we cover you know a lot of things basically that happened in the past month including the fanning shark attack and everything else and um, we'll get into that but before we do, I just want to remind you that the Billabong Pro Tahiti is upcoming. And if you play Fantasy Surfer in our league, lock down your team. Um, send your wager if you want to do that. That's not at all required. It's free to play, but if you want a wager, you can participate in that. All the details for how to do so are on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So um, you can get all the scoop there. And then, of course, if you're there, why not... Um, Copy the URL for your favorite episode and then go post that on a friend's wall or send it to him in an email email, and just continue sharing uh, this show with friends. I know I say it all the time, but we rely on you to spread the word. Happy to produce the content, but we don't really advertise. And there's no revenue stream even if we wanted to advertise. We just really rely on you to kind of grow the foundation of the show and uh, keep this snowball rolling so we can keep attracting high-profile guests to the show, all right? So do your part, we'll do ours. I appreciate that, and then um, you know, if you want to follow us on social media, I'll post some of the visuals that accompany the things that we discuss in this show. So you can do that on Facebook or uh, Instagram, just at Surf Splendor, and then Twitter. Twitter's a great way if you need to share anything with me uh, in a timely fashion. People send news articles and that sort of stuff. Ask where the show's been for the last few weeks, you know, all that stuff. So go ahead and check us out there, and otherwise, enjoy today's show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks.
1: Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Welcome, everybody, down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you here on this Tuesday August 11th, 2015, and uh, David and I have been away from the microphones, away from the pod, if you will, for about a month. Yeah. Probably. Psyched to be back. This is the first time I've laid eyes on you.
0: Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you.
1: I'm sure you had a great month vacation.
0: I did. Scott, the mics were on right before Scott even nestled in the chair. We're going straight into it. Haven't even said hello to one another, basically, until the mics are on right now. So we're catching up with everybody else listening.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot has happened. Obviously, it's been a hectic month in surf, in the surf world. Honestly, so like, much it's been like the it.
0: most hectic month ever, right. and we weren't recording at all throughout right. it. Know. Crazy.
1: I know. And so there's a lot to cover, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid to cover too much and cover it sort of... Uh, like a top level and not dig into it a little deeper. So I've only prepared maybe four items that I thought were fun to talk about. Sure. And um, I'll kick it off with the obvious one, which is Shark Gate. Um, by the way. Yeah. I wore my Dwayne Almond shirt, which we talked about <laughs> a, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. out on my boat trip to the mental Eyes, and it was a Dwayne almond festival out there we we listened to the almond brothers constantly and wow. we talked Dwayne almond we talked about the best song ever and it was good stuff
0: so you had the rights to the playlist apparently you were dictating you know the
1: we put together there was some playlist battles going on okay. but it was Definitely like a classic rock 70s boat trip with a bunch of 50-year-old dudes getting it on.
0: Before we get into Shark Gate, we got to talk about where we've been, right? right. Are you willing to talk about that or do you try to keep it a secret? No, I'll talk about it. Well, okay. I got got a very pointed question. Okay. I did see your Dwayne Allman photo. That pad is for you to smack your hand on when you want to pound on the desk, by the way. I'll give you a second one so that – yeah, there you go. Uh, Take it easy. Take it easy. So anyway, I did see the Dwayne Allman photo of you on a boat in Indonesia. But then you also sent me a couple of photos with you surfing. I think you were wearing a hat in a couple. look looked like you were wearing a visor, perhaps, in a couple other. Yeah. I'm I just going to let you explain yourself. I'm not going <laughs> to call out a judgment. I would like no, for you to I, state your case I, for the visor.
1: I don't need to state a case unless you you're putting a negative judgment on it.
0: Hey, reality is on reality's terms. I'm not dictating any sort of judgment. (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: I wear a hat and a visor all the time because uh, mostly because I had a pterygium in one of my eyeballs removed and it made my eyes extremely sensitive to sunlight. I've actually been known to wear sunglasses out surfing. Now, aesthetically not pleasing, not necessarily performance enhancing, Uh, You get spots on the glasses, but if it's that or not surfing, which is what it is, which is how bad it got, Mm -hmm. then I would wear the glasses, um, about six months after my eye surgery. And ever since then I have these eyelashes that grow inward and as they grow, they scratch my eye and they make my eye more sensitive to sunlight. Hmm. And because of that, I more often than not, when I surf, I'm wearing a hat or a visor, Wow. And it's purely because if I don't, I, 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 I don't have a good time. I'm out there literally going like this and I can't look up and see what's going on. And
0: well, so make,
1: it's a, it's a, uh, medicinal it's a reason, it's yeah. function.
0: You make a compelling point and I'm a lot less inclined to make fun of you at this point <laughs> in the discussion. Uh,
1: I've brought tweezers. You can pick out my eyelashes for I me. I just
0: saw the visor and I was just like, Wow. For real, dude. Scott, no <laughs> no pride whatsoever.
1: What's wrong with visors? What do you have against visors? Is it like a volleyball look? Is it a look of like high school baseball coach? Like what is it about the visor or the hat that has you
0: Well, anti? You know,
1: Why would you be anti a hat?
0: I'm not anti hat. I'm okay with the hat. The visor, I have never seen improve somebody's appearance it only you're assuming it. i want my appearance improved <laughs> i'm just saying from a fashion standpoint, i'm so good looking
1: i'm trying to downplay Oh,
0: okay <laughs> i see yeah trying to humble yourself huh? yeah thank so you. i'm just saying like yeah. i'm not the most fashionable person every time you see me i'm probably wearing a t-shirt but the visor i just i think has not by the really... way looking
1: at you right now yeah. i think a visor would help your appearance oh. <laughs> greatly <laughs>
0: Well, dude, you don't want to burn your bald spot either, Scott. Why not just wear the full hat?
1: <laughs> you know what? what? It, if like- I had a bald spot, I would wear a hat. Sadly, <laughs> my hair's going so gray that I wear the visor in hopes that I'll get some bleach blonde going.
0: You know, the other thing is like sometimes...
1: Full disclosure.
0: Okay, but okay. Function is important, I would say, with surfing. What I would argue with a lot of surf style where you see people like wearing a T-shirt or a button-down shirt is that it's actually... Um, not functional. It actually hinders your performance. You see hipsters wearing literally a button-down T-shirt, like unbuttoned, flapping in the wind. And, I mean, it does look rad if it's Ozzy Wright doing a massive air or Noah Dean or something. For the photo, I could see, like, it actually does look kind of cool. But it does uh, prohibit your paddling, you know, And, um, and even standing up. And so you see a lot of kooks trying to be like Ozzy Wright, wearing stuff like that and it's like dude unless you're gonna be busting a five foot air
1: i actually did a trip in the in I, I don't know it was like 2005 or something maybe and i a guy was trying to create that look that button down um and he had you know like spf 50 cotton and but it had the collar it was kind of like a fishing shirt you know those fishing shirts yeah. that you see guys wear that are fly fishermen and um, I did a trip where I wore one of those. But you're right, the cut, um, it hinders your shoulder movement. Right. And it's just and the button's not necessarily comfortable when you're right. paddling.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So w- tell me about your trip.
1: Uh, the trip was great. The boat we were on, the new Centara.
0: Where were you going? Where
1: also you- known as the Simudra Biru. Okay. I think they're changing the name of it. But um, a great boat, a gr- the best crew I've ever had. Uh, you know i 've done eight or nine of these trips on boats out there, and i 've been on some great boats with some great crews i 'm not here to yeah. to uh, you know talk down to any of those crews or talk negative of any of those crews, but this crew is incredibly customer service oriented i mean mm. you got out of the water and they 're grabbing your board and handing you ice cold water and just um, that sort of, you know, almost country cu- country club attentiveness, uh, was really nice. And they were just great guys, you know, it was just fun to get to know the, you know, the Indo guys, the guys from Padong that were on the crew. So Nusantara was the boat. We went to the mental We went as far South as, you know, the thunders area. And, um, we sort of patrolled. It was, it was small, uh, wasn't, you know, pumping swell or anything like that. Um, But super fun surf with a bunch of, you know, it was, you know, 10 days. A boat trip's kind of like hanging out in the parking lot at your local spot for 10 days where you're just hanging with your bros, telling stories, listening to music, surfing your brains out, eating tons of food. It was, you know, I I highly recommend it. You know, it's a Mm -hmm. lot of fun regardless of the waves. It's important that you go into these boat trips with uh, low expectations and that way you come out of it, you know,
0: low expectations for the waves. Yeah. 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 So how big is the boat?
1: Uh, you know, the actual size of the boat, I'm not sure. You could go to newcentarasurfcharters.com okay. and check out the boat. But
0: How many guys did you have on your
1: trip? Uh, Ten guys.
0: And you sharing rooms and all that? Yeah, you
1: share. It's a catamaran. Each pontoon has five bunks. So okay. you share five bunks. Okay. You know, you just sleep down there. You're just dead, tired, passed out, walk down, brush your teeth, boom, you're in bed, wake up. I'm, I'm up at the crack drinking yeah. coffee and going surfing and that's what it is. It's just eating and surfing, um, you know, with some almond brothers mixed in.
0: <laughs> How many hours a day are you putting in, in the water? Um,
1: like- not a, not a whole lot. Cause you know, I'm, as I get older, I just can't surf that long, but yeah. pro, but, but way more than I would put in here, Yeah, you know, so probably, um, you know, five hours a day, okay. something like that.
0: That thirty-day yoga challenge got you prepped, huh? It did. Put you in- I did. I need
1: some more yoga. I'm losing it. I'm, I, I've got bagel on the hips here.
0: I did a class at six thirty this morning. Good for you. Yeah,
1: I I was supposed to do one with my wife, and she went, and uh, I'm just kind of swamped, you know, yeah. being thrown back here in the in the middle of business.
0: Totally. So, what were the what was the best waves you got on that trip? Like, uh, the
1: best waves were at this place called. Um, iceland which is sort of a short quick right but it was howling straight offshore and about six to eight feet and it was just me and my buddy and so that you know those conditions tend to make for you know great experience and that's what it was but um, we got really fun waves at a lot of different spots including macaronis and thunders and um you know Lance's left Mm. just kind of all the standard spots. It was crowded out there, you know, um, with other boats and stuff. Yeah. A lot of, you know, there was a couple boats of Brazilians, which, you know, it's, I, I hesitate to bring this up, but since you, you know, we're talking about the trip, that whole Brazilian, um, pack mentality. Um, uh, I guess it's a generalization, Mm. um, seemed to be the hold true and hold steadfast and was in fact the case, Mm. You know, because it, it, it's funny, you know, there's one crew of Brazilian guys and they're all, you paddle out and they're all just trying to give you stink eye and hassle you, not hassle you, but just kind of like put the spot on lockdown. Like you're not allowed to paddle past them or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you just got to kill them with kindness. You know, I would just kill them with kindness. I would, I could hear him mumbling about gringo and I would just loudly and proudly declare my gringoness with a big smile and mm. wave at him and paddle right past them and, Um, you know, one time I paddled out, um, I waited my turn, paddled out, sat with the six Brazilians, heard them all talking about me, loudly proclaimed my presence, gave them a big howdy doody, um, took off on a wave, rode the wave all the way through. And one guy actually had backed out and didn't cut me off and gave me the wave. So as I paddled back out, I paddled past an entire selection of surfers you know maybe paddled past 15 guys including eight brazilians back to the top of the lineup number one priority and went up to the guy and said hey thanks so much man i really appreciate you giving me that wave i really you know and the other brazilians didn't know what was going on so they paddled up and were like excuse me sir what is it you talk about and i'm "Ah, just thanking your friend you know i wanted to thank him for giving me that wave that's he's like there is a line of priority you are at the back of the line blah 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 and i'm like all right where do you want me he's like uh, you're at the very back back here and i'm like okay yeah so you want me at the back back there by that australian guy that can't even surf like that's just out there floating around you know like sort of a beginner yeah he's like basically the whole thing sort of just boiled down to me not moving and him paddling away hmm. um
0: it's weird though that he's trying to like control the lineup.
1: Uh, I wouldn't have any he's of He's just
0: a tourist as well.
1: Uh, well, they, and they do it in packs. Like, like, like I would tell you that most Australians and most North American surfers, when they go on those trips, we sort of slowly feed out into the lineup two at a time, maybe one at a time. Um, but they have this thing where they all load up in their tender, their little tinny boat and all eight of them or 10 of them get dropped off at the same time. And they, oh, <laughs> and they all surf together for that three or four hour session. Right. Um, and when they do that, they have this real, uh, it seemed to me anyway, again, I don't want to generalize the entire Brazilian surf population, but it seemed to me. And again, I've done these trips. I've done a number of these trips. So I've experienced this numerous times that they, that they try to put the spot on lockdown and that they're, that they have a strategy. Whereas I think I know myself, my boat, the boats I've been on, it's much more like, hey, let's just go surfing, whatever, you know, and you sort of, you know, leak your way into the lineup one or two at a time. And it's very low key and you're not trying to establish any kind of priority like you're at lower trestles or wherever, you know.
0: Yeah. And um, well, was that guy ripping?
1: No, no, no. There was maybe one or two guys that were pretty good surfers. But these a lot of these guys were my age. You right. know, like these guys, but they're like, you know, sort of uber tough guy, tatted up. They could probably, I'm positive they could beat the living crap out of me. I'm sure they could squeeze me out like I use watermelon seed in some sort of jujitsu hold. Yeah. But that doesn't matter to me. I'm like, cause I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong here. You know, um, well, the
0: only thing I would argue is like, yeah, I guess if you do paddle past them into priority position up the point, I could see maybe having an issue, but he, no, for sure he should just battle you for position. Like I wouldn't walk paddle up and say something to you. I would just paddle well, around you. And in sit his deeper. defense,
1: I think he was trying to be polite because okay. there was others, other you know boats in the water. You know, boats of Australians, boats of other North Americans, and so I think he was just trying to go, hey man, you just can't paddle past all thirty mm-hmm. of us and sit out here. And but he didn't know that I was going up there to say hello or excuse me say thank you right for giving me that wave but i will say this in full disclosure that you know part of my thing was you know what you have to get in their face if you don't get in their face they will literally see the funny thing is about them having a priority line and telling me to go to the back of the line that works for everybody but them they never go to the back of the line they all just join each other and start screaming in that sort of Portuguese angst—that is their uh, vocabulary, and um, it's—you have to just establish and be as loud as them, and look them in the eye and smile and kill them with love. Right, and then they—they have no recourse. If you go there and you're like, you want you play tough guy with them, and you play that same tough guy game, I personally am going to lose that game. Yeah, you know, so I'm much more um, likely to just go out there and go, hey, unreal, how, dude, you were ripping, good wave, high five me.
0: Well, the other thing is thirty people in the lineup at that point, there is really not any order. there isn't because you know,
1: ten of those guys are are you know guys that aren't sure if they should be out there yeah. that none of them want anything to do with actually going out to the takeoff zone right and so that was part of the problem when he goes, "You're at the very back of the line, I go, no, no, I don't think yeah. I am you know
0: yeah, at thirty people, I'm not gonna uh give up positioning to anybody basically, I'll battle it out on the peak and then if you out battle me then great you get the wave but there's no sitting in even 10th position if there's 30 guys
1: there's, there's generally the, this unwritten rule of you know look we're all out here we all paid money we all want to get Absolutely. waves and have fun it's sort of different than a socal thing where you know maybe yeah. maybe you, you have some you know faint sense of entitlement at some spot but out sure. there everyone's kind of on the same po- but see they aren't they right. sort of take it to this thing exactly. where like all 10 of us are going to sit here and put the spot on lockdown um. Did you get shacked on your trip? I wouldn't say I got shacked. No, Isn't I got that a in bummer. A, um, not if your expectations are low. Okay. Um, again, you know, I got a couple of like cover ups. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of pocket rides with maybe a shoulder tube. You know. Right. Um, is, is it a bummer? Yeah, I guess you could say it's a bummer. When well, you going
0: to Indo, you want to get shacked, dude.
1: Yeah, you know, you need you need a prime swell to, right. to really get. You know, the mental eyes are generally kind of more rippable than... Yeah. the photos But you I s- saw guys get some good tubes. Sure.
0: You know? The photos you sent me um, did look rippable, but it also looked crowded. I was surprised at the crowd. And it also looked like a good day at a San Diego reef break.
1: Yeah. Know? It wasn't all time as far as swell and right. surf. You right. know, it, it was generally in the three to five foot range, sure. feet range. And um, you do need major swell to kind of thin out that crowd and and then it it offers up a lot more spots Mm -hmm. and there's also wind to be dealt with out there you know and when the winds are wrong there's only a couple spots that everyone can go to and so we literally pulled up to a spot i think thunders had nine boats Mm. so nine times ten that's 90 crazy now um thunders is a spot that kind of spreads the crowd out a little bit but um you know, your experience out in the mental wise will change drastically based on your expectations. And if you're lucky enough to go and there's a lot of energy in the water and mm-hmm. all of the spots have waves going and you can go to wherever and get, have your moment, there's also land camps all over the place. I mean, it's not that idyllic, I'm going to go get empty perfection to myself. Now, that being said, we had numerous days where we were the only boat at the spot we were at and we were surfing by ourselves. And generally on a 10 day trip, you're going to get a couple of days like that where mm-hmm. you're having a good time. And-
0: Interesting. Well, I'm going to go into an email real quickly. Um, if people want to contact Scott or I um, David, I'm at hello at surf dot com. Scott, where are you at?
1: I am at surftalksan Diego cool. at gmail.com dot Surftalksan Diego at gmail dot com.
0: I got a lot of emails um, because we were gone, but also regarding the shark attack at J Bay and all sorts of different things. But one that I wanted to read just because I'd never got one of this kind says, "Hey Scott and David, first of all." Heaps of uh, first of all, thanks heaps for the commitment to the show and making it interesting in all segments being a non surfer and having no exposure to the surf culture made me very judgmental of wave riders. I used to think that you guys only surfed and drank Corona by your podcast, but your podcast about the sustainable board shaping carbon footprint and talking about the environmental about the environment changed my perspective. I keep coming back because of my academic background in Marine biology, snorkeling and love for the Marine life. I believe that surfing is one of those very few sports that shows respect to the nature and strengthens your bond with the water. Thanks again for making your show relatable, educational and humble from uh, Mervin Singh, so a non-surfer listening to the show. Haven't, yeah. I've heard of that before.
1: It's an interesting, um, it has me thinking about other ocean related activities or sports and or hobbies that are more sustainable. You know, I, I appreciate his thoughts and I would say that, yeah, surfers as a whole definitely have um, the environment, you know, if not in the forefront, in at least the middle or the back of their um, thought mm-hmm. process. Uh, but there's probably, I bet what he does, what's his name? Mervin? Yeah. I bet what Mervin does as a marine biologist, which I'm assuming he scuba dives and or snorkels, um, is probably l- way less of a carbon footprint and it, and, and was probably more um, concerned with the environment, at least in the forefront. Like when he goes diving, he's you're thinking about yeah. the environment. Like when we're surfing, we're like selfish, me, me, me. How many waves can I catch? How okay. many Brazilians are going to be out? you know (laughs) what I mean like it's 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 let's face it surfers are selfish it it is what it is I I would is that too much of a generalization no I, I think it's fair guys like him um you know quite possibly the marine biologist the hobbyist scuba diver is the one um sort of enthusiast that that uses the ocean in a more sustainable and maybe a more thought provoking manner than surfers. And and you could maybe argue that fishermen are, are more so than surfers. You know, there might be some others that use the ocean that are.
0: Yeah. I think, I think kind of, um, there's a point of difference for me where it is, what we're doing is somewhat selfish. Like me, 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 I need to get a wave, but there's also an element of spirituality to it. You know, like we're going out into we're going to be enveloped by Mother Nature when we're out there and we're participating with Mother Nature. And we do have benefit from it, but we're really engaging Mother Nature rather than bleeding her dry. That's well, a paradox,
1: know? isn't it? It's well,
0: a, a little bit. I think because though,
1: you're right, there is a spiritual, but, a large spiritual part that that many of us don't even recognize until we get older. But
0: we're also, as surfers, not depleting her resource. You know, we're riding a wave. And absorbing the energy, but it's not depleting it from being used for, you know, something like a, else. Like a fisherman, you mean? Correct.
1: Right. Well, I don't think sport fishermen have any effect whatsoever. It's the massive, you know, trawlers. Yeah, yeah, that would be.
0: And I'm not even making an argument against that. I'm just saying as an act itself, there's an element of selfishness to it, but it also is an element of, you know, like I said. We're engaging. pretty
1: benign, aren't we? Yeah. Relative to, you know, say like motorsports where you're just throwing Exactly. It. Fuel and carbon Burning burning fossil fuels. Yeah. But we do burn some fossil fuels. I've asked you this before, you know. In fact, I was talking to somebody on the trip about this. Like, Kelly Slater's carbon footprint. I don't know if you and I have discussed this, right? But he buys carbon credits. And I was kind of going, what is that? Like, what does that mean? Like... Is that just a way to pay off your guilt? How does that work? Are you really helping the environment if you buy carbon credits? Do you have any insight on that? No, I'm not familiar with the
0: concept. Like he pays money somewhere. And yeah. They, what do they give him?
1: I, I don't know. I think a certificate. That's what I'm getting at. Like, does it really help the environment? I, I don't know how
0: it works. Well, you're going to have to look this up before.
1: Well, once again, I just roll in with, I was a, Expecting your expertise to yeah. sort of enlighten me.
0: I don't have expertise. Somebody out
1: there knows. I'm sure we can Google carbon credits and figure out how it works. And I, I'm, by the way, I'm not here to shoot down Kelly's efforts there. I think it's a – I just didn't quite understand it.
0: Well, there's know? probably an organization that uses that money to do something Educate, for the environment. Maybe, yeah. Something like that. Right. All right. Let's get into Shark Gate, dude.
1: Okay. Enough about us. God forbid.
0: Yeah. I got back from the beach one morning in uh, – What about your trip? Well – I don't want to spend, you know, the next 23 minutes talking about my trip. But I got back from the beach in Costa Rica one morning, Turn on my phone, and I got a message from you. Oh, my God. Did you see what happened? Go on Twitter, see all this shark attack stuff. It was insane. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot has been written and a lot has been seen already about this. We're obviously late to the party here. But um, incredible footage of Mick Fanning getting, um, you know, here's what the – the thing I wanted to ask you was this a was this a, a shark attack or a shark visit? You know, a, cu- a curious encounter because this didn't seem like an attack.
0: Um, now, if
1: I was McFanning, I'd be calling it an attack. Yeah, I would be trying to cash in on insurance yeah. or whatever.
0: I, I agree. Like the scientists will probably call this an encounter. I personally. We'll go ahead and give Mick full credit, and oh, he for was sure. involved in a shark attack. Okay, you're because calling it an attack. The, I think if the shark wanted to actually attack Mick, it would have. You know, yeah, yeah. but if a shark opens its mouth within a five foot radius of you and yeah. then clamps it down, yeah, I'm giving you, I'm giving that's you that five foot grace, yeah. and saying that you got attack. Even though,
1: a, a scientist would consider that you know, a curious because that's what they, they're like dogs. They use their mouth to sort of, yeah. Figure things yeah. out. Yeah, I don't know? care what
0: scientists say. Mick got attacked <laughs> yeah. by a shark. Dude. Mick,
1: Mick was attacked. The gnarliest part for me was when he was completely separated from his board and mm-hmm. swimming in full speed ahead. I mean, that's the scary part for us as surfers, right? Like for Absolutely. whatever reason, we think the surfboard is going to at least it offers some semblance of of uh, a you barrier, know. yeah. A thank you. Device, yeah. Anything. Once you're free and liberated, it's just you and the shark. So,
0: I'm- not that there's a human being. That listens to this who hasn't already seen this footage. Yes. But essentially, it's in the final of the J-Bay Open. Mick Fanning versus Julian Wilson, both of whom surfed incredibly throughout the week to get to that point in the event. And the camera is actually on Mick just sitting there waiting for a wave. And there's a small wave approaching, not big enough for him to catch, but large enough to block the view of the camera. And it's on its way. But before that wave comes, Mick's sitting there and a shark fin, a dorsal fin shows up behind him, kind of thrashes a little bit. And then Mick turns and sees it and gets kind of jostled by it. Apparently the shark either grabbed his leash or did something to kind of pull Mick into the water or under the water a little bit. Um, And then there's kind of... A thrashing. You're not sure what's happening. Mick starts swinging, kind of his arms around. The fin then comes up from in front of him, or the flipper, or something, and hits Mick in the face.
1: The flipper.
0: The flip. Like the back. I don't think a well, shark has a flipper. What's the back part? What's the back? The it's a tail. dorsal. The tail. Fin. Yeah, no, the not tail. the dorsal. Yeah, fin. the, the tail. tail. The tail comes around, kind of hits flipper. Mick in the face. <laughs> Shut up. You want to do a better job than no, me describing I, this? You know what?
1: I was constantly struggling for words to come out of my mouth. I'm, okay. I'm glad you came up with something. So
0: this shark, then it kind of hits him from the front with his uh, tail. And Mick falls off of his board. He Then then this wave that I was talking about approaching kind of blocks the view of the camera and Mick. Mick says at that point he was kind of off his board, not getting pulled underwater, but just off the board with a shark near him and was through threw a couple of punches into the back of the shark just out of instinct because not that it's going to thwart the shark, but just what else are you going to do if there's a shark with you in the water? So um, Thumb wrestle. Yeah, so his leash gets snapped or the shark bit through it at some point in that. He doesn't know where the shark is at that moment. He has a moment of kind of relief without it in sight. So he starts swimming towards shore, leaves his board, swims full speed towards shore. Julian Wilson, who's up the point a little way, sees what's happening and starts racing towards Mick to make a rescue. All of the um, the wave runners and the rescue teams on the wave runners including Pete Mel on commentary, start racing towards Mick. And it's a mad rush to get to Mick and save Mick from this attack. Meanwhile, there's water photographers still floating in the lineup, unrescued, just like out there (laughs) by themselves. Like, Hey, you guys forgot about me. Um, and they, they of course get Mick onto the ski. I think it was Pete Mel's ski. And, um, he survives unscathed, not a scratch on him. Um, it was just this harrowing few moments where the camera actually captured everything. Uh, a legitimate shark attack without...
1: On a, on a live webcast, and I think it was probably live TV in Australia or, or somewhere.
0: Did you say that they cut the feed? Somebody seemed to told me.
1: I don't yeah. recall any of that. Okay, okay. And um, I would be surprised if they did. It would be a stupid move. This well, was, unless he
0: died, but you want to cut that. Yeah. You don't want to witness a death.
1: You know? Right. This was... Um, uh, an emotional moment too I mean later on a lot of emotions flowed and um, it was it was just must must see TV for sure now um, many are calling this the most um, important you know non-surfing moment in professional surfing competition history and I, I think that they're right and in that in light of that in that vein I've created a list of the top 10 non-surfing moments in pro-surfing competition history, understanding that this McFanning shark incident is undoubtedly number one.
0: Created a list or copied and pasted a list? No, from- I,
1: I no. is there a list? No, I created a list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I created a list. And by the way, David, of course, you can chime in on any of this if you have some other thoughts on on my list. And uh, the listeners, we'd like to hear what I, what have I missed? What mistakes have I made here on this list? So, top ten non surfing moments in pro surfing competition history. Um, number two in two thousand and two at the lowers event, they played the Star Spangled Banner on nine eleven, um, and it was I was there, and I think we, I'm sure there was a webcast in two thousand and two, but it was an extremely moving moment. A year removed from nine eleven. Um, so that has made my list as the number two, uh, non-surfing moment in pro surfing competition history. Number three is there was a pro surfing event in Japan, an ASP event in Japan and spunky little Mick Campbell, the Ranga from Australia punched Andy Irons after a heat in the, uh, I remember that in the uh, showers there on the beach in Japan,
0: the ginger ninja,
1: the ginger ninja. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's number three, number
0: four. So what did Mick do? Were you there? Or um, what did uh, Andy do?
1: Andy was sort of in semi disbelief and then sort of took a, um, there weren't any other punches thrown. It was sort of a standoff at that point. And I think, Oh, I think Andy grabbed his board and sort of tried to jab him with his board. Huh. And I could be mistaken, but as I recall it in my mind now. And then there was just sort of a, you know, Mick is like a bulldog. And I think Andy just kind of went, okay. Yeah. This guy's bark is, is you know, his bite's bigger than his bark even. You know, like this guy's gnarly. So,
0: you ever been punched in the face?
1: Um, I'm sure I have in... in uh, yeah, I'm sure I have by my brother or something. Yeah. I don't recall anything. Yeah. Nothing sticks out.
2: Yeah,
1: but um, certainly been slapped. I've probably been, <laughs> been, probably been, probably been punched by a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, the number four top ten moment: David Nueva's twin fin fish hung an effigy over the O B pier during the 1972 World Contest. Okay. Um, number five: Taj Burrow. Was chased from the water at Jeffrey's Bay during a heat by a great white shark. What he said was a great white shark. Yeah,
0: but did anybody? He's the only one that saw it, right? If I remember that story correctly,
1: I guess so. Yeah, but which, which I mean, is you it's not legit. I'm not it's calling totally a legit. Yeah. I'm just
0: saying it's not as dramatic. No, it's, I want to see it on the webcast and see it like making a beeline towards him. You know?
1: Yeah. I, again, some of my list might not even be in the right
0: order. I just kind of threw it together, sure. but.
1: you may know this that the first ever Pipeline Masters, um, they met on the beach to see if they were going to have the event. It was at that time; it was just one heat. It was six guys that were invited to show up, mm-hmm. and Fred Hemmings you know, set up a card table and and I think they got together in the morning at like you know eight in the morning, and it was had morning sickness like it often does over there, and it, the winds hadn't turned offshore; it hadn't cleaned it up. And Jerry Lopez was looking at it and Corky Carroll was there too. And Corky said, nah, man, the event's called off today. It's not happening. And Jerry Lopez said, all right, and drove back to town. And of course, a few hours later, Fred Hemmings, the winds switched and Fred Hemmings called on the contest. So Jerry Lopez missing the first ever Pipeline Masters is a number six on my top 10 non-surfing moments in pro surfing history. Number seven is the OP Pro Riots at Huntington Beach. Hundreds of youth. Gone wild, burning police cars, lifeguard vehicles, and looting. Yep. Number eight, the hug.
0: Kelly and Andy on the beach right before the final.
1: Right. At the height of the great AI Kelly Slater rivalry, moments prior to the final, Kelly Slater runs up to Andy Irons, mysteriously hugs Andy Irons, and tells him that he loves him. Yep. And some suggesting an attempt by Slater to get into Andy Irons' head some mental. Gamemanship, perhaps. Is now,
0: that the one that Andy won, though? Yes. Yeah, so like Kelly— I want to say it was 06. And I think Kelly had him—I don't know if it was comboed, but definitely had the lead up until like two minutes maybe. Well, it was a four-man final. Right.
1: And it was like Parco, I think Rob Machado, Okay. and Kelly, and—and and uh, I could be wrong, but maybe Corey was in it. I thought Corey was in it. Corey Lopez, Rob, Andy, and Kelly. Okay. Yeah,
0: I think with two minutes left, basically Andy gets a wave and gets a nine something, and then with like a matter of seconds left, this backdoor barrel comes and Andy gets a screamer and gets a nine whatever and beats Kelly.
1: Yeah, and I remember I, I believe I spoke with Rob about this particular heat, and he said it was he said the tension was palpable and that he didn't want anything to do with it, and that Andy was just like, yeah, mean, (laughs) you know. So Corey and Rob just kind of. Like, tiptoed around and didn't catch any waves.
0: I'm gonna interrupt real quickly. And then, Kelly, um, there's footage of Kelly taking a shower on the beach afterwards, crying in the shower. And his brother puts his arm around him, crying, yeah, literally like has his head down, crying. Wow. And um, how do you know he's
1: crying? How do you know there's just not water dripping off his face from the shower? He's
0: physically, I mean, sobbing, yeah, he's he's crying. I didn't know that. So, he's got it. I think it was in Jack McCoy's movie that he made about it, about the two of them. Um, oh,
1: you mean uh, Blue Horizon?
0: Is that yeah, no Blue Horizon was, was
1: Rasta and Andy.
0: Rasta and Andy, but
1: it would have had that moment probably because it was a lot of Andy in
0: it. Yeah, maybe it was. You're huh. right. So, anyways, Kelly's crying. Sean, his brother, has his kind of arm around him, patting him like it's going to be okay. But anyway, they posted that footage recently on Stab Magazine. There was a video that included that footage. Oh, yeah. And in the caption for the video, Stab uh, Stab's editor wrote kelly is bawling in the shower but wrote it b-a-l-l-i-n-g you know balling yeah. and then somebody in the comment section made a reference of like that takes on an entirely different meaning you know kelly bawling in the shower yeah. than if it was spelled b-a-w-l-i-n-g right right right, right, so, right i
1: thought that was funny that's kind of sophomoric that's kind of stab hey
0: Absolutely. It's, that's why I love it. By the way, my jokes go over better if you laugh at them. Not, I, not poke fun at.
1: I, okay. Well, I will sincerely laugh when the time is right. If it, oh, okay. When well, to actually me. funny? Yes. All right. Number nine, 1975. Michael Peterson's paranoia has compelled him to hide in the parking lot after he has won his third consecutive Bells Beach title convinced that if he walked up to accept his prize check and trophy and ring the bell that spectators were going to start throwing things at me Mm. number 10 dead ahead Fred you know dead ahead Fred story
0: Fred Hemming yeah I mean
1: competitors balking at the request of contest promoter Fred Hemmings to paddle out in 30 foot Waimea Bay for the 74 Smirnoff Pro so Fred Hemmings challenged them all asking them if they would surf if he, in fact, paddled out and caught a wave. The competitors said yes. Fred Hemmings paddled out, caught a wave, and the most cataclysmic big wave event ever went on with Reno Abelera winning the event. So there's my 10 top 10 non-surfing moments. I'm sure that there are many that could be included, and I'd like to hear from you guys out there if you have any uh, moments that I missed or you disagree with my list. Please let us know. I love it. SurfTalkSanDiego at gmail.com.
0: Now um- – kind of related to that is the Maui and Sons Arika Pro got called off due to massive surf yesterday or the day before. How do you feel about that? It's like professional surfing contest and they're calling it off because the waves are too big. They don't want to send the athletes out in big surf.
1: Is that what it was? I didn't see the actual conditions. Was it like rough and tumble or was it clean 30 footers or was it like mean onshore crap?
0: Uh, It wasn't rough and tumble. It was big but washing through because it's not a big wave event. You know, it's a, it's a QS event, but it's just like whitewash wash throughs. Um,
1: I, I don't know how I feel about. I kind of feel like, Hey, look, you're, you know, you're pro surfers, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you're 20 years old, you're on the QS. Yeah. Go catch some whitewaters, get get through your, get through your heat. Yeah. You know, and it'd be neat if some QS surfer said, no, I'm surfing and just went out and put on a Jersey in protest and we could call him the winner just for his efforts.
0: I agree with you. There was um, a couple days earlier, the event was called off for the same reason, high surf. And so the guys went and surfed, um, L buoy another spot and the waves are good, but the contest organizers weren't able to get a permit to move the event to that location. So they just had to basically call it off from the original location. El gringo. This marks the second WSL event in 2015. That's been called off the first, of course, being J bay. Um, and it's actually the first time in history that an event's been called off due to huge surf.
1: Yeah, it's sort of a bad precedent.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, back back to J Bay. There was a few things surrounding J Bay um, that also happened. Um, I mean, the the publicity just surrounding the shark attack is worth discussing. McFanning was on sixty minutes. I think this bodes incredibly well for the WSL. Um, I watched the event after the fact on NBC at home. They've been doing this Red Bull signature series for each event that airs on Saturdays in the middle of the day when they have golf and other things on, on other sporting events. You
1: mean live sports?
0: <laughs> yes. And um, and, and they, they made a compelling package out of this event. Like they kind of led into the event with the footage of the shark attack and like everybody frantic. And then backpedaled, started from the beginning, showed a lot of surfing, did great interviews with Rosie Hodge and other good-looking people talking about, you know, the region and the waves and the dangers and all that sort of thing. And then, of course, it culminates at the end of the episode with the final. Um, it made for just a really compelling storyline and story arc for the event. Um, I loved the fact that Derek Hine paddled out 45 minutes after the event on his 11, six finless board and just shredded by himself. Yeah. That guy's a legend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I've been watching Derek Hine footage for a couple of years and like, I mean for a long time, but recently he's still shredding and like you, he never goes left. <laughs> <laughs> smart, right? smart man. And, um, But I mean he surfs finless He's surfed finless for the last 20 years He hasn't surfed a board with a fin Friction free Far field friction free surfing I think is what he calls it Four Fs. But yeah I mean He basically paddled out 45 minutes After this shark attack happened And they asked him Peter King did an interview with him afterwards And was like what are you thinking going out there And he's like oh dude the shark left the lineup already Like we saw him leave so it's safe to go out again You know as if sharks are always seen from the surface and as if we can track their movement or something. <laughs> um, but, but he just surfed so freaking rad. I just love yeah. that guy. And um, so that was rad. And then he may
1: have won the event.
0: I, I how's that
1: for so? a claim? I, yeah. you know, he, he was the winner.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then Kelly stayed at J Bay after the event for a couple of weeks and somebody released an edit of his free surfing from after the event and I'll post that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. It's great footage, but his final wave in the edit is phenomenal. Did you watch this? Do you know I did. It's I'm my musty moment, it? actually. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Tom Curran's first ever wave at J Bay as being like possibly the best wave ever surfed. I hate to, you know, this might, might be blasphemy.
1: You, uh, wait, hold on. Don't say it.
0: Okay. Don't say it.
1: (laughs) No, go ahead. Kelly's
0: wave is the second best wave. How's that? Yeah. That'll backpedal a little bit. Yeah. Kelly, this wave that Kelly Slater surfs is quite possibly the second best wave ever surfed at J-Bay. This thing's unreal. The lines he draws are varied, but perfect, and does exactly what each section calls for. Kicks an alley-oop at the end, which is weird and awesome. Gets barreled a couple times. Just like... It's a perfectly surfed wave. I loved every minute of it.
1: You know what I really... And again, this is my musty moment, so cat's out of the bag, but what I really liked about it, and I also liked the footage of Sean Holmes surfing in this, mm-hmm. was that they, they were really surfing um, sort of to the pace of the mm-hmm. wave. It wasn't frantic at all. It, it looked as if they could have almost been on single fins, and I don't mean that in a bad light. I, what I mean is, is that they were just relaxed, and um they just really let the wave sort of dictate the pace of their surfing instead of this frantic i got to get points oh my god you know the judges are watching me i better yeah. do this what are the judges looking for and it was so obvious and it was so pleasing to the eye that they were enjoying the moment they were truly surfing um you know in a sort of um altruistic way and it was just
0: awesome i agree and that's a good point in that once you put the contest jersey on, it seems to be at opposition with surfing at the pace of the wave. Um, there's something mentally that happens to the competitor where it's like, I'm on my toes now. I got to go. I got to go. You know. Whereas you're right, when they're just wearing a black wetsuit, you don't really get that sense.
1: And Tom Curran is one of those guys that you very rarely, if ever— See him have that sort of frantic. Mm-hmm. I've got my jersey on. I bet they're expecting me to do something. Oh my God! I better do it. Which of course, you know, ten times out of ten leads to a really disgusting wave. Yeah, as far as you know what you did on it, and Lord knows I've been there. You know, every time I've ever worn a jersey, I, there's only been maybe one or two times where I've really been relaxed, and and I think oh, yeah. that takes over everybody's mentality. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I I would like to point out just we always talk about Kelly's mental state. It's a mandatory segment on this show. What's it called? This week?
1: segment. What is this segment called? Kelly Slater's mental state? Headspace or Headspace? something. Headspace? That's a little cliche. Kelly, That's...
0: yeah, I don't know.
1: How about um
0: I'll think about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that he stays for two weeks at J Bay after the event's over. Um everybody else is eager to get home and see their families, you know, and eager to get to Tahiti to practice or people are eager to get to Huntington Beach to get QS points. And it's like, Kelly doesn't give a crap about any of that. He wants to surf good waves. And I think that's awesome.
1: Plus, where is he going to go? Like, think about it. Like, where is his home, really? His home's in Santa Barbara, I think.
0: Well, I think he has a home in Santa Barbara. He has a home in Florida. But I, I read something with him recently. I think it was on Mr. Porter, that feature that they did with him. But he was just saying, like, I don't think I'll ever yeah, settle down. Like I have too many homes everywhere. Yeah, He's got homes he has, everywhere. So home in Australia. So it's like, I'm, I'm at home at Jay Bay. Yeah. Like I can s- settle in there for an indefinite period of time. And then when I go to Tahiti, I'll settle in there for an indefinite period of time because I'm at home there. Yeah, as
1: well. He's with his loved one. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like I am at home.
0: Yeah. And so I think that that bodes well for his, um, Surfing, you know his comfort level when he's riding waves. Basically, he feels at home everywhere that he goes. So not looks
1: cold, didn't it? With the, the gloves water. on and oh, the yeah, ho- yeah, yeah. the booties, and just the way they were walking down the beach, it looked frigid.
0: Have you surfed? J-Bay? I've never been there. It is on the top of my list of places to surf.
1: Yeah, looks like incredible waves.
0: Yeah. Anything else you want to say about J Bay? No. Um, red direct is the film competition that you and I have discussed. Mm-hmm. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but they, um, wrapped that competition up. And so it's worth noting Aaron Lieber won the event with his film about, um, Noah Beshan. It was called wild. Yeah. I know Aaron, I bought a camera from him a while ago, a couple years ago. Yeah. So, um, he's, he's a, a great dude. He's a great,
1: uh, storyteller and <clears throat> videographer.
0: Yep. Uh, Eric Knudsen's video about John John Florence which you and I liked a lot was the fan favorite and then Dave Malcolm I think was voted second place for his video on Dylan Graves which I really really liked a
1: lot I don't think I saw that one
0: it was kind of um, slapsticky there's a bit of comedy in it but it was Dylan Graves is such a great surfer yeah he's so rad and it was all shot in Puerto Rico there was a bit of a storyline to it um, in Spanish or um, subtitled in English and um kind of, he was surfing these kind of novelty waves with a bunch of backwash, but then some big reef break stuff at gas cool. chambers and stuff. It cool. was a great video. Yeah.
1: we will have to check that out.
0: Yeah. What else?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, it seems that we've entered this, the age of stunt surfing.
0: We have indeed.
1: And I don't know what to think of it. Um, first we have this motocross rider taking his dirt bike out. They put some sort of planing devices on the tires and, He's able to ride his dirt bike at Chopu.
0: It seemed like the back tire had a real deep paddle on it. Is that what got and him going? The front was on a ski, right? So the front planes and the back one pro- propels it, right? Yeah,
1: interesting. Okay, that's how he did Robbie, it,
0: Robbie Madsen.
1: Right, and so, um, and then then you have Jamie O'Brien lighting himself on fire and catching an incredible ride at Chopu, and um, of course. You know graphically, the images were incredible, yeah. and it certainly was um you know i i guess interesting to watch yeah. um but you know you you sit back and you ask yourself wh- why like right. what is the reasoning here like and i I guess it just boils down to eyeballs like people yeah. people just were just apparently we're not happy enough just watching guys get barreled like it's we're we're so we're so inundated with surf porn that now we have to set guys on fire and mm-hmm. watch guys on motorcycles. And even that's like, you know, it's, it's like,
0: it's not gratifying No, and it's gratifying for 30 seconds. And then what's next.
1: And you feel dirty for watching <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, I, I'm not
0: sure, you know, I guess that's
1: the reason why that, that this public is just, you know, like what's next? I, yeah. I don't get it really. I, I, I'm, and i and I think it probably speaks to a lot of other sports too. Like, we're, I guess in surfing, like, do they make as, do they make like climbing porn and do they make archery porn and do they probably. make fishing porn? And surfing porn is through the roof. Like, there's just yeah. so much surf video to watch that's just incredible that you and I are, but we still watch it
0: and it's still fascinating. I actually didn't watch either of those for the duration of their, their length. I saw just the tidbit to see what it was, but I didn't click play on the three or four minute video to watch the whole thing.
1: Yeah. I didn't watch the Jamie O'Brien so, one,
0: but I think I, I don't know for sure. And, um, but I'm almost, I seem to remember that both of those things were created by Red Bull.
1: Yeah. I would so imagine
0: it's, Red Bull's not creating high art or what you and I are interested in watching. It's eyeballs for 20-year-olds. Exactly. And so it's like, what can uh, Robbie Madsen do that's the most radical thing ever? Oh, let's get him on his dirt bike and send him out at Chopu. What can Jamie O'Brien do? Oh, let's light him on fire. So that's all that it is. Is there a
1: moment there, though, if you're Robbie or Jamie, where you're like – you almost feel – I mean, I know they're obviously they're getting paid well to do what they're doing, but it's like, what's next? Like, do, do, do you feel if you're Robbie Madsen, do you feel like, God, what are these Red Bull guys going to have me do next? And like, you where's do, my limit personally where I go, you know what? I've kind of crossed the line and this is, this is, um, not really why I started doing this when I was 12 years old or whatever, you know, like, well, that I mean, is that, there a moment no. where you're kind of thinking to yourself, this isn't. This I've my integrity has been lessened a little bit here.
0: No, I don't think there's that moment at all for this. There's no lack of integrity in riding Chopu on a dirt bike. That just sounds radical and fun, you know, and he's a radical dude. So that fits in line with what he's doing. And he understands why not light him on fire. That's coming next. <laughs> Wait for next week's episode. Uh, but I mean, that's in line with what Red Bull is and does. They're high octane, high energy, balls to the wall. And so 20 year olds, you expect that. And that is what it is. It's what not would like, you
1: do if you were the Red Bull production marketing guy and you're like, OK, what's next? Like I was thinking maybe we could we could drop Jamie O'Brien from a hot air balloon into the tube. Acid
0: drop from a hot air balloon.
1: Like just a straight drop yeah. from a hot air balloon and into he's the wave. you got it. to stomp it. Yep. And does it go through the lip into the tube or
0: I think you want to, I don't think you could do that. No, but you want to kind of take off. It's like an acid drop would normally be like, you want to take how off far
1: above the wave are you? Are you 10 feet?
0: Let's we'll just and a up hot air balloon? each time. Let's start at 10 and then right. we'll go 15. We'll do right. five foot increments. Right. I think that's a great idea. Call, call what about people
1: tag ride? team Where you got a guy In the hot air balloon Maybe not at Chopu Maybe it's at Lowers Or something Got a guy in a hot air balloon Guy riding the wave Guy rides the wave Does an aerial Tags the guy mm. High fives the guy And then the guy In the hot air balloon Jumps into the wave And continues to rip it So it's like Team hot air balloon surfing
0: I want to see <laughs> Jet propulsion From down the reef As the wave's building You light the jet And you have to Backdoor the pit So like as the waves hitting the reef and growing, you're coming from flat water way down the reef. You go, boom, light the thing and just start going Mach 5 down the reef. And the wave just kind of grows and meets you in the middle. And then you backdoor the section and come flying out. Right, right. That's what I want to see.
1: Jet propulsion. It's kind of like step-offs, but with jet propulsion, Yeah. radical.
0: The maneuver that I've always envisioned since childhood, and I'm probably not the only one, is a full barrel roll standing on a surfboard.
1: Oh, you mean a DLS? That's called a
0: DLS. What does it stand? <laughs> David, like? Lee, David Scales. Lee Scales. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like you're actually standing on a surfboard in the barrel, getting shacked, and you ride do a full loop de loop. Yeah, I want to see that. I think Jamie's the guy. Well,
1: speaking of loop de loops, the it might be your must see moment is that Jordy Smith it's ride. Not, but yeah. I think that's North Point. Yeah. And how incredibly high and it's and intensely together does he make that loop look maybe you should tell the audience what we're talking about i'm sure everybody's seen it
0: nick green filmed it um jordy smith north point west oz gets a crazy shack comes out does a massive alley-oop stomps it i mean it's people are saying it's the biggest one it's
1: got to be 12 or 15 feet in the air right more
0: say no not more but yeah 12? It's crazy yeah maybe i don't know it's crazy covers a lot of distance too it's like it covers you know, it's distance
1: high. it's surprising that his board and his feet don't disengage right. that's the surprising thing because it it's just ridiculously yeah. and it looks super hard offshore and that yeah. might have helped perhaps
0: he thankfully had this landing pad that was so perfect
1: yeah it was kind of a soft little moment
0: it was almost like a wave behind the wave that he took off on so he kind of lands on that soft back of the wave he was on but in front of the back wave and then lands it perfectly and that just pushes him in to the yeah so but I mean no no discredit to Jordy. I mean it was insane but yeah that I'm sure everybody has seen that just as many people who have seen the show
1: and the tube ride before the aerial was mental
0: yeah Yeah, no, it was crazy. So we'll definitely post links to that, surfsplendorpodcast.com and Um, By the way, Fantasy Surfer, we're going into Tahiti. We talked about Jamie O. and Robbie Madsen, surfing Chopu, dirt biking Chopu. We're going into Chopu in three days from now. And if you play Fantasy Surfer, I've already begun receiving people's wagers You're welcome to go to fantasysurfer.com, go to the clubhouse, find the Surf Splendor Club. We have 260 members. You can play for free. We additionally host a wager. You could put in 10 bucks into the wager. The winner takes all. And um, at J-Bay, Nova Scotia Surfer won the J-Bay event in our clubhouse. And um, he's wagered in every single event thus far, I think. So he deserved to win this and gain some of his... uh, money back and then how some. much
1: did he win in our cash game? I
0: think it was like two hundred and seventy bucks. There was twenty seven people playing. So out of the two hundred and sixty members in the clubhouse, only twenty seven played that event. Um so get your wager in. You can do that through PayPal. There's directions for how to wager on surf splendor dot com. But again make sure you're playing at fantasysurfer.com, not the ASP or the WSL site. Uh, Our game is hosted on fantasysurfer.com.
1: So David does this for free. He doesn't make a dime off of sort of hosting this clubhouse. And it could be argued that he should be taking like a house vig, if you will, 10% or whatever it is. That's how these companies make money, these fanduel.coms. They just take a a cut right off the top. And, you know, you and I talked about this before the start of the season in, in February or whatever it was. You would think that Surfer Magazine would see the light, have, would have seen the light by now. Yeah. You've probably our our Clubhouse without us taking a dime. You've probably seen. I don't know how much money has gone through that account.
0: Maybe fifteen hundred. That's bucks all. Or okay, 2, so fifteen hundred something.
1: There's a lot of money that Surfer Magazine's leaving on the table. The fantasy surfers leave, and I, and and the WSL's leaving on the sure. table. And again, the NBA, NASCAR, golf, all of the PGA, they're all have adopted this yeah. and they're all doing it and they're all making money. And it surprises me that, um, yeah. the CEOs, the big wigs, the ones that know it all.
0: Well, by the way, I don't don't take a cut, but I am number one in the women's division. So I that have, is embarrassing. So dude. I have won a number of events over there, collecting my thirty dollars because there's only three people playing. Oh
1: my god, <laughs> you, your mom, and your wife. Exactly, <laughs> I smoke them every time. <laughs> oh my, um, that's horrible. No, I'm proud, dude. Well, number how one. about that last J Bay event? I kicked some ass.
0: I, I wasn't paying attention actually, so I can't comment. That's on code that. for yes, I did. <laughs>
1: yes, I did again. Beat David Lee Scales. Uh, my fantasy surfer expertise is through the roof. By the way, you're going to want to watch out for under the radar Miguel Pupo.
0: Oh, really? A Chopu. Tell me more. So now I'm you're just, flying the Brazilian flag. No. Here's what I love about your whole thing earlier with the Indo conversation Here we go. is you're like you're like look. I don't want to generalize. And then you generalize for the next 30 minutes. I'm it's just not, saying it's, it's been not the, my experience after nine like, boat trips to the Mentawais
1: yeah. that at some point it be, goes beyond a generalization. And, and there needs to be some sort of statistical relevance. And right. I'm not but the only one. I'm generalize. not the only one. Believe me, there were yeah. nine other boats that were going, what a bunch of jerks.
0: Yeah. And then you wrap up the segment with... Not that there's anything wrong with that, but (laughs) Miguel Pupo, you preface and then you you cap end covered my case
1: on both as if
0: that's going to make it all okay for everything you say (laughs) in between.
1: Hey, I'm just speaking my experience. It's neither right nor wrong. It might be right. It might be wrong.
0: You're entitled to it. Yes, I'll let you. That's
1: what the pods for. It'd be so boring if I came on here and just didn't tell the truth. Of
0: course. Um, so tell me more about Miguel Pupo.
1: I've just, you know, I've, I've put him on my team. Um, you know, I just think, you know, he's, he's done well in the middle of the season here. He seems to be on a roll and he's a good value.
0: Mm. He surfs well at big barreling left. uh
1: It looks like the very beginning of the waiting period is going to have some waves. And then there's a massive high pressure system that's sat over. South the South Pacific, which mm-hmm. is why we, here in Southern California we we're having a horrible summer. Mm. And it's gonna continue. Mm-hmm. And this little blip that's gonna provide some good waves at the beginning of the waiting period is is all there is. Okay. You know, Tahiti's a different story, they're gonna get some rideable waves, it's gonna be small, it's not gonna be some massive chopu at least that's not what it looks like at this point. But um the good news in all that is that high pressure Over Tahiti and low pressure over Darwin, Australia is a sign of, um, you know, good things for El Nino.
0: Well, unfortunately, due to the contest window, um, Chopu got some amazing waves. Some of the biggest, most perfect Chopu I've ever seen. I mean, fortunate for them, but unfortunate that it doesn't land in the contest window. Did
1: you see the kayaker?
0: Yeah. So a kayaker got shacked out there.
1: (laughs) Those are called goat boats, by the way. For those of you that don't know, in don't Australia, know. they're called goat boats, which is, again, you know, hats off to the Australians for some of their great vernacular because um, that's a great term for them. What does that even mean? A goat boat. A goat in a boat. Okay. Figure it out. They're goat boats. But the dude's a goat? The I dude's mean, a goat. Why is he a goat? I don't know. I'm goat not Australian.
0: greatest of all time, by the way.
1: Not in this case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this kayaker gets proper shaft and a just, goat boater. just gets clipped on the exit of the barrel but yeah. almost makes the thing. He drives through the barrel.
1: Well, there was a goat boater out in the Mentawais. Oh, really? Yeah, and he trying was trying
0: to catch waves?
1: He was out in the middle of the pack. What? And he was like a professional goat boater. Like this guy, dare I say it, he kind of ripped like really? he was kind of blowing the tail out of his goat boat on these off wow. the lips, but you know, I mean the it, it was hideous.
0: Is it especially de- designed yeah. goat boat? Yeah, there's has- quite
1: a there's quite a goat boat culture okay. in Australia. High performance goat, yeah, high, high performance goat boating. Interesting. It's usually like washed up footy players. You know, they were never surfers. They were just always like uber athletes, and they've taken to the goat boat mm. or they're clubbies, lifesavers.
0: Okay, well, this leads me into a interesting thought. I like saying that my thoughts are interesting before I present them to you. You know, it helps. Yeah, exactly. Hype them up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I listened to Laird Hamilton interviewed on a podcast. Um, the Tim Ferriss show. Tim Ferriss is like this. Um, I don't know. He's an author, efficiency expert kind of guy. And he interviews a bunch of different people from a bunch of different things. But, um, he interviewed Laird Hamilton, who's somebody that obviously I'm very well aware of, but I never really cared about Laird. I don't, I don't get what he does. I'm Laird's not really smart. too engaged in Laird and I'm not against him. It's just never really overlapped with my life too much. Right. Well, I loved this interview. Laird is, you're right. Super smart. Yep. Super compelling. Yep. Unbelievably hardworking. He's and, honest. Yeah. And just seems like a really good dude. He is. And the Tim Ferriss not being a surfer, just his line of questioning was different than where I would begin. And I learned a lot about Laird that I probably wouldn't learn if I was the one interviewing Laird. And he talked about the stand-up paddle rub, you know, uh, how he pioneered that, basically. And he also talked about the foil board thing that he's pioneered and continues to pioneer. And it's just like Laird understands things conceptually and the hydrodynamics of it and just goes, look. I want to ride the biggest waves in the world. There's surface tension that creates friction and slows us down. And especially when we're riding these big waves off Maui where there's a lot of wind and we rarely ever get the right wind conditions. So the chop creates an element of problem for when we're riding on the wave surface. So he conceived of a way of riding above the surface of the water where there wouldn't be the surface tension. Therefore, you could ride faster. And 15 years ago, he found this foil uh, board in somebody's garage there, which was actually a seat originally that sat on this foil. And he talked to the guy and the guy explained why he created it and Laird borrowed it. They from did it him. at
1: SeaWorld for a long time. It was but, a marine park, was? part of their, um, you know, whatever you call it. Show. Yeah. Thank you. A yeah. Show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this Laird took that seated foil, took it behind a boat. And practiced on it for years, literally years, of learning just how to ride this. And then it dawned on him, we should stand on this thing instead of sitting. And by the way, it's super dangerous. Oh, my this God. This metal blade yeah. the five feet really. below you. And if you fall and it comes back, it could decapitate you, literally. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they've made some adjustments to it. But my point is just that commits to something for literally a decade. Of practice. And that was the same way with a stand up paddle, where he's just practicing by himself for a decade before it ever sees the light of day. Then, once it sees the light of day, the market is, of course, super resistant to it. Everybody makes fun of him, people, you know, writing him off, but it's just, it's better and it's more efficient. And he's never really benefited from the market's success with a stand up paddle. It's not like he patented the thing and became the sole. You know, producer of stand up paddle boards or well, something. Well, I'm sure like he did that. pretty
1: good. I mean, he has a layered line of paddle boards and he licensed his name to Surf Tech for. Fifteen years or whatever it's been,
0: not the same way that. No, I know, but I'm. You know, um, Edison. Right, but what? I
1: mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to patent exactly? The paddle. There's
0: brighter business minds that figure out those things and make a kill. Apparently, he's not one of them. No, he's that's. that's I don't think anybody's.
1: Nobody's patented the stand up paddle. But you
0: could. My point is, there's brighter business minds who do that, and then their kids live in yeah. wealth forever, you know, yeah. and the kids, kids. So Laird, I'm just saying his mindset is more of the inventor mindset not really on the capitalizing right, right, on right, it right, mindset. Right. But again, the amount, so not only the amount of research involved, but he realizes that he's getting older and he's got to take care of his body. And that type of R and D that he's doing is wears on you physically. So he goes to these unbelievable lengths to keep his body in physical fit, prime condition better shape than most 20 year olds are you know and like his whole philosophy with that is just mind-blowing and um the things that he does and all these training regimens that he's also perfected in the same way that it took to perfect that stand-up paddle thing it's fascinating yeah fascinating human being yeah and his wife was on the show as well. Yeah. So I'll post a link to that. I didn't have that in my notes, but I did listen to that when I was out of town and it was really compelling listening.
1: Yeah. So- I've interviewed Laird before and he is a great interview. Yeah. Super good, fun guy to talk with.
0: Amazing human being. Yeah. Um, alpha male. Oh, well, for sure. Alpha male. What else?
1: Um, surf Snowdonia. It's open it in the is. UK. We have wave parks. They're legit. I mean, they've been legit, but this one, I guess, would you call this the first legit surfing park? I mean, there's been other
0: it's, it is, it's artificial
1: le- waves that have been created you know, 10 years ago that have been ridden on maybe not real surfboards.
0: It's the largest and the most rippable for sure.
1: Um, so it's open and it looks like it's going well and it's based on that wave garden. It is a wave garden LLC model, you know, with yep. this plow that goes down the middle of the pier, creating waves on each side of the plow. And then there's like a little beginner area. And I'm sure you saw the video online. Well,
0: m- a good friend of mine, Tom Resvin was the very first surfer to ride a wave there.
1: <laughs> Tom is everywhere. That guy is like, he is. Uh, he's like, 007, s- he's kind of is like, I see that guy everywhere. Yeah, he- I've been, I've been out in the Mentorwise wise and really good waves. And Tom rolls up on his like yep. waves. He's like, Baz, what's up? Uh, yeah. And then like, you're talking to him. He's like, yeah, I just came back from Cloudbreak." break. Yep. And then he's, is he independently wealthy? Like what's the deal with him?
0: The exact opposite. He's a janitor at a high school.
1: You're kidding. I swear. He just has no shackles at all, except for he's being got, a janitor.
0: He's, he's got a friend who, um, has, who works for one of the airlines and allows him to use kind of the buddy seat. If you can fly, you know, at a moment's notice and standby or whatever. Yeah. And he benefits from that. Huh. But on his way back from Snowdonia, he stopped in Peru. So I wanted to interview him for this show, but he's been surfing Peru ever since then.
1: See what I mean? Like, how does he just go from UK to Peru? Does he just work as buddy? Like, does he just, because yeah. there's only so many of those buddy seats that you can milk off of a guy who works at the airline. He's launch, got right? it worked out. All right, he's got it worked out. He, he hasn't given a bunch me the full friends. details, yeah, but he's got the, it worked out. But I do want to something's up there. I do want to interview I think him. Literally,
0: he rode the first wave at Snowdonia. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so we'll get Razzie on the show for sure to find out
1: the skill Yeah, he, he would be a great interview.
0: I've had him on the show. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: he's a talker.
0: He's perfect. Dude. Yeah, and also incredibly physically fit.
1: Oh, he's a he's a great surfer. Really me? great surfer. Super, good surfer. Super into nice conspiracy guy. theory and oh, the really? Illuminati and all that oh, stuff. God. So it's, it's excellent. <laughs> oh my god. It's excellent.
0: You guys got some compelling points, dude. I bet. Um I've got the internet. Yeah, let's must see moments, Yeah. Hate.
1: Um my Duke is Mick Fanning for donating his money to the sixty minutes interview. Um you already mentioned that. You stole my thunder there. My kook is... No, s- I
0: didn't mention donating his money. What are you talking about? I thought about? you
1: did. No, you did earlier. No. Yeah. I
0: said he was on 60 Minutes.
1: He, okay. Well, he donated his earnings from that to um, uh, a family in Australia. Um, do you recall what the family... I
0: thought it was shark attack related. Like yeah. somebody else got attacked by a shark Yeah, it was a shark attack his. survivors or something. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Mick Fanning is my Duke Kahanamoku. And then um, my kook is... If you watch the Snowdonia video their sort of PR video that they put out on Facebook, the very first wave they show there's a surfer who drops in on another surfer (laughs) on the very first day, the opening of the park to the (laughs) public setting a terrible trend. That's sure to be followed by not only UK surfers, but probably Brazilians that visit there oh. as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if there's 10 of them in the lineup, of course people are going to get sned. They're going to lock
1: down Snowdonia. They're going to pull up in a boat, drop anchor, and it's all over at Snowdonia.
0: Um, it's so funny. <laughs> I want to see people get fined if they do that at Snowdonia. Because you're paying for, you're paying to be there.
1: Well, it just shows you kind of the mentality of, of whoever's running that place, that they would yeah. put out a video that the very first wave just shows a guy dropping and it's like, they don't get it either.
0: Good point. Good point. Yeah. The people putting it out have no clue. Um, My Duke is actually, I'm going to give it to Julian Wilson for paddling to Mick's aid. When Mick was getting attacked by a shark, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who could be a Duke in the last couple of weeks. And I, I found it difficult to pick just one, but I think Julian it's a bold move, dude. For sure. Rather than rescuing, you know, rather than fleeing for safety. Mick was without a board and Julian. And it wasn't um, a half-hearted effort. Like Julian made a beeline to get to Mick to rescue Mick. So Julian's my my dude. Well stated. Um, My kook. Kind of apprehensive to call out this kook, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Here we go. Outer known hit the market and the pricing is off the charts.
1: Wow. Why is that bother you?
0: Maybe it's Don't fully, buy it. Maybe it's fully justified. Okay. I just took umbrage when I saw the price. It felt like a little bit of a punch in the gut. Now it could be that I'm fully undereducated on all the math that goes into producing conscientious um, non-sweat shop. Organic clothing. And that's really probably what this is. But it feels like they did that and then added an extra 20% on top or 50% on top. <laughs> T shirts start at 78 bucks, board shorts start at 125. It's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive. So it pricing came out and it was just like, what? Um, well, the
1: question I ha- would have about that is look, there's another company that sort of has the same mindset, Patagonia. And I believe that they have board shorts that are probably in the $50 range. And I don't know that to be a fact, but I don't think their board shorts are $125. Now, again, I don't know the production, um, you know, how the whole thing works, you know, where they buy their materials. I don't know any of that. So, um, and, you know, it can be argued that there is a market for people that, that will um, purchase these items. How
0: board shorts are about sixty bucks, I just looked it up,
1: yeah, so um, well, of, we'll course, see, you know? of course I mean I think
0: if it, hap- if
1: it works, I say more power to you if it doesn 't work, I say thanks for
0: trying and it 's just
1: free market absolute um, capitalism and if and if somebody pays it, then that 's what it 's worth
0: absolutely, and I think it will work. I think there is a market for it. I think kelly 's the right guy to help cultivate that market, you know like there 's plenty of rich people around the world who want to. buy into surf culture and it's quality product and i'm sure that they can justify that and it's probably cheaper than the other t-shirts that they're buying from some high-end fashion company i'm just saying we love kelly we're all about surfing and i looked at that stuff and it's out of my price range i yeah i I don't know
1: that it's i don't know obviously you and i aren't aren't it's target market market and um I don't know that it's a surf company. Now, maybe no. their marketing says it is. I'm, I'm just kind of riffing here because I, I, you know, I don't but know too much. But it's based
0: on surf culture. Yeah. It's founded in surf culture for sure. Yeah. So my thing is, here's my only reason I'm putting them in the but kook so segment. But so's Hollister. That's I don't not cons- founded in surf culture. That's founded to benefit from surf culture.
1: Yeah, that's There's true. There's nothing that's more true. surf
0: culture than Kelly Slater. That's true. And he's that's the true. owner of the company. That's true. So, that's true. So here's my deal. Yeah. Here's why they're in the kook segment. Um,
1: you can't afford it
0: exact, exactly that's exactly what it is is i we knew this was coming out and it's like sweet i want to participate in this and then i saw it and i'm like unfortunately can't participate
1: okay full disclosure when it came out i was like i'm buying some board shorts i'm buying some outer known because remember did, i said on the air i, know, I wanted so to support it no i didn't it was Why too not?
0: expensive exactly
1: i was like dude i like i was willing to throw down extra dough yeah but I'm not 20% extra. I'm not not 200% extra. I'm just not in their target market. Part of the problem is I have a teenage son who I know would just grab them and like lose them at his friend's house in two weeks. And so it's like,
0: oh God. Yeah. So there's a documentary, um, that actually recently landed on Netflix. I'm going to look up the name of it right now. Um, that's exactly about the sweatshop problem. It's called the true cost Uh and it really details the race to the bottom, basically, yeah, and how you know horrible sweatshops are for humanity and people. there was a building um a sweatshop basically in India that collapsed, and a thousand people died in it, yeah, and the working conditions were well documented as being horrible. There was literally cracks in the walls, and the workers presented it to management management's like get back on the sewing machine, you know but gap has a t-shirt for six bucks. So then H and M needs one for five and then H and M has it for five. So then the next guy needs it for four. And, and that's what happens. So bravo to outer known for really thwarting that model and trying something new. And I recognize the value. They, in were, it. <laughs>
1: they were your kook. Why are you saying bravo? These are
0: complex issues. They I'm are. saying bravo for doing that, but I feel offended that I can't buy it. So
1: i think you need to look inwardly here i don't i don't think it's their fault show, that you can't afford their product
0: that's what this show's about it's all about therapy for david you know i, I work out my issues on air me too i've other things i can't afford 150 dollars <laughs> therapist once a week
1: <laughs> no doubt what you know what you can't afford tell me a 25 dollar ticket to the um California Gold Vintage Surf Auction taking Mm. place September 26th in Los Angeles at the Culver City Veterans Memorial Building. Uh, I've got so many killer surfboards that are going to be on the auction block. We're really excited about the offerings. Um, In fact, there's like nine of them that just showed up here in the the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center that I have to unpack and and do some um, sneak peek videos on. But uh, some really cool stuff, including a really neat. Glenn Pang, 1983 or 4, Martin Potter, Twin Fin. Sweet. Um, Mike Henson, Rainbow Gun. Nice. Um, from Maui. Johnny Gale. Do you know who Johnny Gale is? Yeah. We get When you get a chance, Google Johnny Gale and the Eternal Brotherhood of Love. Okay. Um, they were a group of like psychedelic drug dealers in the late 60s, early 70s out of Laguna Beach. Nice. Anyway, Johnny Gale, uh, this is his personal board. Um, found on Maui, the whole rainbow bridge, Jimi Hendrix, um, concert at Haleakala. This board comes right from uh, Johnny Gale's friend. Nice. Uh, and so history, Oh, uh, this board's insane. So we got a bunch of cool stuff, bunch cool. of really great boards. So, um, check out the vintage surf auction.com, okay. the vintage surf auction.com and look at all the boards and, um, We'd love to have you come and, and bid on the stuff.
0: You said that your must-see moment is Jordy's heir?
1: No, it was Kelly Slater at uh, J-Bay.
0: Oh, okay. That's yeah. right. Um, so we'll post that on surfsplendorpodcast.com and downthelineradio.com. My must-see moment, Hiroto Ohara won the U.S. Open of surfing and $100,000. Scott looked shocked. Did you not see this? No,
1: I didn't know. I didn't, Did you know the
0: U.S. Open happened while I was we were gone?
1: In, I I knew it was happening, and I was so glad to not be around when it It, was happening. It took
0: place in very marginal surf. Which is good for
1: Huntington Beach.
0: Tanner Hendrickson and Hiroto Ohara made the final together. Who? Which which is shocking. But it was radical. Like, There's so many storylines I'd love to discuss. We're not going to do it in this show. And then Joanne DeFay won the women's event. So two no-names. Scott hates it's, it. No, it's this just underwhelming, the, dude. It's no, it's underwhelming. overwhelming.
1: I'm watching guys catching fire, riding chopo
0: in no. a barrel. <laughs> Zero storyline at all. That's all superficial. This has substance. Why? There's so many good storylines. What's lines. the substance? Tanner of- Hendrickson, unsponsored, makes the final of the U.S. Open, beat out Felipe Toledo. So what? Only- Tom
1: Curran won the world title unsponsored.
0: That's exciting. The fact that you even remember that proves. I'm not even sure that's
1: the case. I think Rip Curl sponsored him. I think
0: so too. Rip Curl. I think he was OP at the time. Yeah. Right. So Joanne Defay, same thing. Joanne Defay beat Sally Fitzgibbons. She, the only reason she was even able to do the tour when she qualified was because Jeremy. She's South African. Jeremy Flores sponsored her to get on the world tour. He paid her way. No, she's not South African. Uh, she's from Reunion Island. Uh, well, that's, that, that's that's a great I think line. it is a great and story. It is she, a great story. I'm just talking about
1: the actual contest itself.
0: No, but I'm the reason why the contest is exciting because all these storylines are exciting. Okay. Anyway, here's my must-see moment. Yes. Hiroto Ohara is on the on the podium after he wins the 100K and Joe Terpel's like you know, this is so exciting. What are you going to do with a hundred thousand dollars? And he speaks very little English. He's Japanese. He's like titty bar. (laughs) Even better, even better. Um, this, I've watched this Instagram like 20 times. It's so funny. He's like, he's like, he stumbles for a minute. He's like, Oh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I, I I just want to say maybe I'll try to get my driver's license and try and buy some cars. (laughs)
2: It sounded like so Steve funny. Martin. It was
0: like he he literally had this line like ready to roll, but the way he rolled into it was like he was apprehensive and not sure how to say it, and then just boom <laughs> delivers it that maybe he's gonna try and buy get a driver's license and try and buy some cars. You cool. Know? But they put together this it's all in, American. They put together this Instagram on stab, yeah. and um everybody shared it. And I literally have watched this thing twenty times just because the delivery is. Perfect. Okay. Like, I got I to see that. It's pure comedy. All right. So you got to see. I it. missed
1: I'll, it. I admitted I missed the U S open and I'm sorry
0: for No, it. It's all good. So
1: Hiroto won the men's.
0: Hiroto O'Hara won the men's over Tanner Hendrickson and Joanne DeFay beat out Sally Fitzgibbon. Cool. So, um, yeah, must see moment. I'll post it. I'll even put it on Instagram, put it on the website. Now all
1: that. the WSL sort of demands that you surf in a couple of QS events, a uh, prime events to start. To stay on the WCT.
0: Yeah, one of them has to be in your home country, I think.
1: And that's usually an event that Kelly Slater does just to sort of check that off of the list right. of stuff he's got to do. He didn't do it. Um, I don't know if he's done any QSs in North America, but him not doing it is sort of like saying, I retire.
0: Well, he stayed in J Bay to get perfect waves. But don't he, but yeah, I agree. Don't, I mean,
1: I'm reading yeah. a lot into that. I'm not saying he's retiring, but that's sort of like, to me, that's sort of like, well, which QS is he going to do? Is there one up in Santa Cruz in October that's going to cover? Lowers. Oh, he did Lowers, right? Yeah. Okay, so he needs to do one more in North America so he could do it like Sunset Beach. I think
0: one has to be in your home country, and then the other one doesn't have to be. You have to do two.
1: Okay, so he can still pull so it off. Maybe he does it. one in France yeah. or something.
0: Yeah, but I was glad to not see him in Huntington. He doesn't yeah, want to be there. He doesn't want to waste his time, yeah, with the unwashed masses.
1: How was it as far as um, behavior amongst the? Was it the same old nine oh nine thing? Or yeah, was but it was tame, tame. No r- riots. relative to yeah. yeah. I did not. Were there know... gross drunk girls with like, you yeah. know, scrawlings on their body?
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I didn't go down there once, um, but I watched it all. Right, I watched everything. It's kind of a dust bowl.
1: Yeah, it is. Okay, well. Um, glad to be back yeah good to be back we'll do this again in two weeks and um, until next time adios and aloha
0: right on again psyched to be back thanks for tuning in to an all new episode of surf splendor I always direct you to the website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, because you can see all the videos we talked about, the must-see moments, all that stuff. One thing that's cool is that um, I keep an archive of all the music from every episode of Surf Splendor. Music plays an important role, especially in the profile pieces that we do. Um, so this, this song by Freddie King, which is the theme song to perhaps one of the greatest television shows of all time, if you can name it. Then you are very dear to me but yeah this song link to it on Spotify and uh, I'll link out to YouTube as well so that you know if you don't have Spotify you could at least find the song on YouTube listen to it there every song from every episode all of it's archived surfsplendorpodcast.com come check us out there's also a comment section for every episode of Surf Splendor on the website so feel free to leave comments about today's show share your thoughts or any past episode alright That is enough self-promotion, website promotion. I will be back next week with an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. Until then, this is your humble host, David Scales, reminding you, even if the waves are one foot, get in the water and shred on.